listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. No fake ads to read this week, eh? Well, then why am I talking into this microphone? Right at the top, I want to note that this is not going to be a normal episode. I'm Steve, the host of the podcast, by the way. But yes, this is going to be one of those episodes like the previous one where I'm taking a lesson from the plants in winter and going dormant for a little bit. So this is going to be a shorter episode. It's going to be a solo episode, no guest. But don't worry, there's still going to be some fun facts and dazzling details. And uh, it's going to be a fun episode, just a little bit shorter, giving me a little bit chance to take a break regather myself and get back to producing the show as usual so thank you for your patience with that but if this is somehow the first time you're listening to rootbound you've picked a strange episode to start with but welcome and normally on rootbound i invite a guest who shares about a plant that is meaningful to them and then i share with a guest about a plant that is meaningful to me and through this process we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other and it is the philosophy of rootbound that Everybody has at least one plant that is meaningful to them because plants are so integral to our lives as people on this planet. You know, sometimes when I reach out to people to be on the show, I've occasionally gotten people responding with, actually, I don't think there's any plants that are meaningful to me or something to that effect. And, you know, the, the philosophy of the show, I, 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 I came to that philosophy through hosting the show, and I, I t- totally believe it's true now. So when someone says that to me, that they don't have a plant that's meaningful to them, my first instinct is to be like, Nuh-uh, <laughs> you totally do. Uh, just think a little bit harder, but I'm generally a lot more polite than that, and I kind of just say, well, thank you for your time. If you think of something, feel free to reach out. But it is interesting when people say that, and, and I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to, like, challenge what someone says, but yes, I really do believe that, that everybody has at least one, but probably way more than that. Plants are meaningful to them, because if you think about it, we, we wear things that are made of plants, we use things made of plants as furniture, we eat fruits and vegetables, you just walk by a tree on your way to the subway or something. It, the, plants are everywhere. I've said this before on the show, um, but I really do think that everybody on this planet has at least one, probably way more, at least one plant that is meaningful to them. But if you disagree, send me an email. If you, if you think the philosophy of the show is not quite on the nose, uh, because it, it could be, I could be wrong, uh, send me an email. Or if you agree, send me an email. I would really love to hear from you, the audience. Uh, I don't plug the email address for the show enough, so I think this is a good time to do that. The email address is rootboundpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, on to the fun facts and dazzling details segment of the show. This is something I've been kind of like thinking about uh, uh, here and there, and I thought it'd be fun to share with you. Um, some concepts that I already knew and some concepts that I, I didn't that I read about through kind of exploring a few particular concepts. So follow me on this little thought journey. Some of these things you might know, some of these might be new to you, but I think they're interesting to think about anyway. So this is a question that I've heard before, and I think the first time I heard this question and I, and I learned the answer, or I thought through the answer, it was one of those like really mind-blowing things. And you might know the answer to this already, especially if you listen to this podcast, you probably know the answer to this, maybe. But if you don't, here's the question. Think of a really, really giant tree, like a redwood, um, or any tree. That's like hundreds of pounds of, of stuff. You know, it's, it's wood, it's heavy. There's a lot of stuff there. The question is, where did that stuff come from? 
And like I said, to some of you, this might be obvious, but some of you, it might not. And a lot of people, when they first hear this question, they're like, oh, from, from the soil, from the roots. And that is not it at all. Barely any of the material in a huge tree like the redwood comes from the roots. Uh, and the answer is, to, to stop, like, you know, <laughs> to stop stalling, is it comes from the air. It is the CO2 in the air, that C in CO2, the carbon, that carbon ends up through the process of photosynthesis, making the wood in the tree. So that giant redwood is mostly air, which is really uh, interesting to think about. And that process is a process called carbon fixation. So, so CO2, carbon dioxide, is a pretty stable molecule the way that it's configured. It's, um, if you remember your uh, high school chemistry class, carbon has four places it can bond and, and oxygen has uh, each has two. And so basically there's carbon with a double bond to each, each oxygen. And that's a very stable molecule. And that's one thing that's tricky about CO2. It's one thing why having too much CO2 in the atmosphere is a challenge because there's not a lot of things besides photosynthesis that can easily get it out of the air into some other usable format. But photosynthesis can do that. So it fixes this gas, it fixes it into a more usable state uh, for the plants and that becomes wood and lots of other stuff, sugars, things like that. Pretty cool. That's, that's amazing that plants do that. Now, that's not the main thing I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about another kind of fixation. So plants need carbon, and they fix CO2 from the atmosphere, but plants also need, you probably know, and that's why you use fertilizer, they need nitrogen. And nitrogen is an even more stable molecule. Nitrogen is, is uh, in two, and it's always in the atmosphere not always, but most of the time in the atmosphere. It's, the, it's predominant gas in the atmosphere, by the way. There's way more nitrogen in the atmosphere than there is CO2. But most of it is is taken up in this format that is N2. So two nitrogen atoms triple bonded together very, very tightly. It's very difficult for anything to use that nitrogen because it is locked up in this diatomic molecule, even though there's tons of it in the atmosphere. So that trick for plants is how do you get your nitrogen, right? And... Um, that process of getting the nitrogen from the air in that triple bond, super stable format into something usable is called nitrogen fixation, and plants need to do that too. Now, the little bit of the trick is, is that chlorophyll, which is needed for photosynthesis, needs nitrogen. So you can't do the CO2 thing unless you have enough nitrogen to make the chlorophyll. So it's kind of this, you know, there's a chicken and egg thing there, and it's kind of going back and forth with like, you know, the, the plant is producing what it needs in various ways, but it can't produce the nitrogen stuff on its own. Now, where does nitrogen come from? There's, there's a bunch of places it comes from, um, you know, uh, decaying material on the forest floor, kind of like natural composting method. That's, that's one way it happens. In an industrial setting, we uh, make fertilizer, which uh, ultimately uses fossil fuels to, to do this carbon fixation and turn nitrogen into uh, something usable, normally ammonia. Um, one of the really cool ways that plants get nitrogen is um, through symbiotic relationships with bacteria in the soil that make these nodules around the roots of, of certain plants, particularly um, beans or other things in the legume family. And they have this ability, these bacteria have this pretty cool ability to like break apart the nitrogen in air and turn it into something usable. But another really interesting place that nitrogen comes from, and this is what I want to talk about today, uh, well, one of the things I want to talk about today is it can come from the air. And now I just said that this nitrogen in the atmosphere is really stable and it's hard for it to be uh, used. And that is true. However, occasionally lightning strikes. Uh, electrical activity in the air produces lots of energy that's able to rip apart uh, some of those nitrogen diatomic atoms and then they are free to be used by other chemical reactions. And then those free nitrogen or nitrogen that are like paired to some other chemical 
not 100% clear on exactly the mechanisms. I think it's quite complicated. But anyway, this nitrogen that's now been freed from its uh, N2 form uh, can fall down in precipitation like rain and snow. And some of you out there might have heard this old saying that snow is the poor man's fertilizer. And it is actually true because snow has nitrogen in it. And it can give your plants some of the nitrogen they need, particularly when they need it the most uh, in the spring when the snow starts to melt. And, and you know, there is nitrogen in rain as well, but often that nitrogen is washed away with the flowing water. But snow is pretty cool because it settles on the ground and it slow releases the water and also, therefore, the nitrogen into your plant's roots and, and gives them a little boost. Now, it's not a ton of nitrogen. There's some numbers out there about how much nitrogen can be in snow. And compared to, like, modern fertilizer, it's, it's not much. But it is, it is a decent source, and it's a nice source, and, it, and it's right there, right in the springtime when plants need to start growing. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, was, I thought about this because I was looking out at the snow. There's snow on the ground right here where I am in northern Virginia. And I was like, ah, I think I remember this thing about snow being the poor man's fertilizer. So I did a bunch of reading, and that's the journey I just took you on right now from, uh, from carbon fixation into nitrogen fixation, all those different processes of how it's done, and then, uh, of course, uh, the process of snow being a poor man's fertilizer. So when you see lots of snow on the ground, be like, thank you, snow, and your plants will say, thank you, snow, uh, for the nitrogen that you are providing. Now, one last little interesting wrinkle in this fact that uh, that uh, nitrogen can come from snow and the you know come from the air via snow. Um, apparently, today, in the modern world, most of the nitrogen in precipitation is not from this lightning activity where lightning strikes and, and, you know, breaks up some of the nitrogen. A lot of it is apparently from pollution. <laughs> so uh, I read that somewhere. I'll put a link to the show notes. There's some studies on that. And like, you know, pollution produces a lot of nitrogen compounds that are free nitrogen. And some of those fall back down the ground. So maybe a little like silver lining, if you could say that of pollution, that some of the nitrogen gets back into the soil, but also probably other stuff does too. Um, but I, I found that interesting, too. Apparently, the, there's a lot more nitrogen in snow today than there was, let's say, 200, 300 years ago. Um, so, yeah, fun facts and dazzling details about snow and nitrogen and how they relate to plants. Maybe I should have saved that for a winter episode, but that's what I was thinking about now. And with that, let's wrap up the show for today. There's not going to be regular credits, but shout out to David Lenny, the, the fake ads. Shout out to Christian Grigascota for doing the music. And today, I want to leave you with another song like I did on the last episode. Um, I just play one of the songs that I play little pieces of, of in various episodes. And uh, the last episode, I played a song called The Live Oak Tree. And this uh, week, I want to play a song called White Oak Tree. And there's this whole genre of songs about like, uh, there's a lot of songs out there about having fun or like being with your special person under a tree. And uh, this is kind of a theme. So uh, I thought I would play this song, White Oak Tree, which is a very similar theme to the song Live Oak Tree but about a different species of oak. So uh, yeah, let's listen to that. And um, next week, we'll be back with a normal episode with two plants and a guest and all that stuff. So thank you for listening and uh, talk to you on the next episode.
Sugar floats like candy. Top of the mountain shines like gold where you kiss a young fellow so dandy. Love grows on the white oak tree. Sugar floats like candy. Top of the mountain shines like gold and the money floats around you so handy. Dream, 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 dream under the white oak tree. You dream, dream, sweet dream, enough for you and me. Love grows on the white oak tree. Sugar floats like candy. Top of the mountain shines like gold and the money floats around you so handy. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. See you next week. <laughs>